Hi there, it's Adam Leventhal here. Welcome to the Athletics Premier League Countdown podcast. With the return of the 2019 season only days away, we're releasing 20 podcasts on the Ornstein and Chapman feed, each one dedicated to a different Premier League team. That is two podcasts a day, every day, up until football returns. Now, if you're not already a subscriber, you can sign up right now and take advantage of a 30-day free trial by going to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein and Chapman to enjoy the best football writing anywhere just as the season makes its return. Now in this episode we are discussing Aston Villa who sit 19th in the Premier League table. Uh, We can welcome the Athletics dedicated Aston Villa writer Greg Evans to the show. Greg how are you feeling? Hi Adam, yeah I'm very good thanks, the sun's shining, football's back soon. Yeah excellent, it is good to uh, have football back. Now you host our uh, dedicated Villa podcast 1874 which has uh, been running episodes all season and throughout the lockdown as well. For people that are just catching up, what have you been uh, offering them, especially over lockdown with your recent shows? Oh yeah, it's been a been a very busy few months really over lockdown. We've had lots of interesting uh, guests on. Steve Hollis, the the latest, the um, previous chairman who was who was in charge just for six months. A, a very unique sort of spell that that Steve Hollis was there. Uh, and we had plenty of ex players, Mila Yedinak, Tommy Elphick, players who who left Aston Villa last year, and then uh, a few players that that left further a few years further behind than that you know the likes of Curtis Davis uh, Martin Larson who was obviously a firm fans favourite at Villa Park also joined us so yeah been a very busy few months and very exciting yeah, it's great to get the you know the, the former administrators and the former players on the show as well. It gives a, a great insight and it's always good because if they're not at the club, they can tell you what they really think, which is uh, <laughs> really, really good, which makes for a good listen. So make sure you check out that and listen back to uh, some of those recent special episodes. So let's deal with where Aston Villa were before lockdown. Um, just remind us how they were faring because obviously you know we know that they're in the in the relegation zone but what was the mood heading into lockdown were they feeling as if they were going to get out of it quite the contrary to to be honest Adam that they weren't doing very well at all um personally I felt like they were going backwards I, I actually thought that uh, when when football ended that that Villa were probably the worst team in the league um you know before everything was brought to a, a premature halt Everything that made them entertaining at the start of the season had, had disappeared for me. I mean, you know, they'd lost five on the bounce, five games, uh, including the cup final. They were bottom of the form table, conceding goals for fun. Um, so it just wasn't going very well at all. I, I know this sounds rather crass, but the break has actually helped them. It's allowed Dean Smith, the manager, the time to sort of develop areas of performance that would normally be neglected. I mean, he, he's he's been able to have... Um, appraisals, one hour appraisals with every individual player through Zoom, through video call, which is great. You know, he would never have been able to do that in, in normal time. Um, he split some of the players up into into groups and they've um, critically analysed individual games f- throughout the season via video. Um, and I think that's a really good idea because it's just a it's just allowed the players to have a look at what's been going wrong. And let's be honest, there was quite a lot. You know, that they conceded the most goals in the league, faced the most shots, um, made the most individual errors. You know, the, the, the list goes on. But it, it just allowed them to see what they were doing wrong. And hopefully, from, from Villa's point of view, when football returns, they'll be able to right some of those wrongs. In terms of, you know, when, when football does come back and, the, you know, the season gets 
back going again. Is it all going to be on how well Jack Grealish plays again? Is it all down to him? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, he's he's a huge player for Aston Villa, the the best player in in that team um, individually, without a doubt. I think that a huge boost also is having John McGinn back. You know, he's been out for three months with a broken ankle, um, would have missed a few more games had the had the season not prematurely ended. Um, so yeah, look, the two of them are, are, have this fantastic spark both on and off the pitch. You know, they get on well away from away from football. They go out and have their the Wednesday and Thursday night clubs where they go for a food and you know just just socialise with some of the other players. But they're brilliant on the pitch together. And I think Villa have have, have missed John McGinn, and I think actually Jack Grealish has missed him as well because um, his energy and his enthusiasm brings the best out of Grealish. Um, so yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. Jack Grealish is a, is a key player. You know, it's, if Villa are going to stay up, they need to get the, they need to find a way to keep him performing well because when he does perform well, he can sometimes just drag that team through. And just a word on his future. Obviously, that there's a lot to be decided. Sort of a, a two pronged question. This one: the fact that the expectation is, you know, even if Aston Villa managed to survive, that he is going to be uh, leaving. The football club is he going to be wary over throwing himself into challenges just in case uh, you know he was to pick up an injury especially if we're going to have a quick turnaround before the next season and if he is as we expect going to leave where do you expect him to go yeah I mean look you know Villa fans won't like me for saying this but I, I, I do expect him to leave regardless of uh, of whether Villa survive or not I feel that he, he has outgrown this team now and you know he's, he's approaching 25 years old um, he, he needs to be playing for an elite club now because that he's that is the level that he has got to that's the level that he's at and I think most Villa fans although they'll be angry and frustrated about it I think deep down they'll recognise that Hopefully, if 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 Villa stay up, that he's done the, that he's done his bit for the club, and he needs to move on and further his own career. Now, now you mentioned Villa have got ten games. You mentioned the possibility of him maybe holding up and not wanting to get an injury. I can't ever see that being being an issue with Jack Grealish playing for Aston Villa. Now, maybe I'm I'm contradicting myself a little bit here because I've just said that he will probably move to further his career, but he absolutely loves Aston Villa, and and he does want to desperately keep them in the Premier League. So. He'll be fighting as hard as he can, as as hard as he always has done, to um to you know to, to 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 do his best to keep this club in the division. There'll be no way that he'll be pulling out of challenges or you know shirking responsibility. He'll be uh, he'll be doing everything he can. I can assure you of that. Now, when the uh, the announcement was made that we had uh, a restart date of of June the seventeenth, obviously everyone. Uh, dusts off the the fixture list, you know, brings them up on their phone or however they, you know, keep track of the season, and they could really focus on the challenges to come. When you look at the remaining ten fixtures for Aston Villa, where do you see the points coming from? <sighs> yeah, it's, it's a tough one, really, just because um, in in my head, I'm still thinking of Villa as that team who was struggling so badly before the break. Uh, you know, as, as I previously mentioned, five defeats on the bounce. And, and I was thinking to myself then, where's the next point coming from? I know it's a bit of an old cliche and, and one that Dean Smith likes to, to use a lot. But just to coin one of his phrases, I suppose my answer to that would be, you know, the, the next game is the most important. I think if Villa do beat Sheffield United in the first game back, obviously they're out of the relegation zone. That That's um, in itself is uh, a confidence boosting thing. But I think it would just it'll kick them on there because... 
okay, Sheffield United are slightly overachieving, but they're still in that in that top half of the division by right. And Villa are the only team in the division who haven't beaten um, uh, a team in the top nine positions. So the fact that Villa have got seven of their remaining ten games against teams in in the top top half of the table um, is a real concern you know something has to change because if it doesn't change then Villa are going down um, but at the same time they've also got six home games uh, just the four on the road and that's quite handy because they're rubbish on the road as well so <laughs> let's uh, let's just hope they can get some <laughs> some, uh, some points and some wins at home because I mean looking at it probably Adam I think that the home games will save them it will make or break their season none of them are easier they've got Chelsea um, Arsenal Crystal Palace, Man United and Wolves after Sheffield United. So it's going to be a really interesting sort of running for them. But if they can get their points at home, that should be enough for them, hopefully. I was sat alongside you when when Watford were the visitors uh, to Villa Park and it was, as always, uh, a great atmosphere at the ground. You know, a proper sort of 12th man crowd. How do you think it's going to impact uh, the team not having that for those those key games, especially that first game against Sheffield United, it, it takes the sting out of the advantage, doesn't it? Definitely, Adam. Yeah, I, mean, I remember the two Watford games that that Villa have already played. I mean, quite quite the contrast, weren't they? Watford absolutely battered Villa at, at Vicarage Road, and and then there was obviously the last minute winner for um, for Villa at Villa Park. Two entertaining games, both in in their own right, but um, not having fans. It just feels very hollow, doesn't it? It, it? You know, we're going to be hearing sort of sounds that we that we probably didn't hear before. We'll certainly be hearing Tyro Mings shout effing and blinding and and um, but and pull, pulling his team together, uh, which will be one interesting uh, part of it all. But I think at Villa Park, the players will miss the fans because. They, they do pull this team through at times. You know, that Watford game, for example, I, I spoke to Gabby Agbonlahor on one of the um, podcasts that I recently did and, and he said, he was sat in the stands, obviously retired now, he, he was sat in the stands and he said the players didn't win uh, Villa that game against Watford, it was the fans. Um, I, f- I found that really interesting from a former player to say that. So the fact that Villa have got six home games left and there won't be fans in any of them will we'll seriously go against them. But... You know there are other there are other things that might work in their favour. Dean Smith said after the uh, defeat against Southampton recently that there are too many in quotes training ground players in his squad. Um, now I presume what he meant by that was that his players turn up in training, they perform really well, they show what they're made of, and then when it comes to the match day, they're not quite at it. Now is that because the fans get on their back a little bit? Is it because they can't really handle the high pressure environment? Um, just it might actually work in their favour in some respects then because the players can play with a bit more freedom and just express themselves. But we'll only, I suppose, really know that when the games get back. I don't know if this is a mischievous question and I shouldn't ask you. Who do you think he was talking about in terms of being a good <laughs> training ground player? Adam, do, do you want me to get banned from this club? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, in general, do you want do you me to have that, no friends? <laughs> <laughs> do you think, in general terms, though, that that is going to have an impact across across the board? That maybe there might be uh, some sort of some random selections, you know, whether that is the subplot or not. That you know, people think that they might perform better without a crowd there. Do you think, yeah. you know, across across all teams, there might be a few um, sort of not jokers in the pack, but um, just random factors that might come up trumps. 
Certainly, yeah. Stuart James wrote a, a great piece in the Athletic, didn't he? Recently about that, you know, he, he spoke yeah. to various players and and managers, and and it was a really interesting piece. And and, and I could relate that to Villa as well. I thought, you know, I, I won't name the players just um, to protect my, myself, but there were, there were certain <laughs> players that I was thinking, I was like, mm, yeah, I think that guy might <laughs> might fit into this category, and he might do a, a little bit better without the sort of supporters heckling him or the supporters on his back. Um, but yeah, I think I think it is going to be interesting across the board. There will certainly be players that will perform better, and, and I think you'll you know you'll see that, and you'll think, well, you know, maybe they can take that into the the proper games. And just one other quick one in terms of you know two key injuries that were picked up this season in Tom Heaton and Wesley. Um, there's no chance that they might be able to eke their way back into the team, seeing as we're now far later on in the in the in the year is that yeah they were they were both very serious injuries both acl ruptures um which are obviously you know set seven or eight months um sidelined so they, they were both done on the same day which is another turn of bad luck for villa but i think tom heaton's recovery is taking a little bit longer than wesley's um he, he spoke out recently um, in press reports saying that he probably won't make it wesley's a, a slightly different situation he might be fit for the latter games of the um, of, of the ten games remaining period, um, and then it all obviously depends in, in just whether the clubs can re-register these players because there are potentially going to be a few new rules. You know, maybe five subs. Uh, I know Villa weren't over enthusiastic about that purely because they've got a, a relatively small squad, and I think privately they they thought that um, it would benefit the big teams. More, which I probably agree. To be honest, if you've got a deeper squad and and you can you can mix it up with five subs rather than three, then it's going to benefit you, isn't it? But um, yeah, I, I don't know for sure, but I think it might just be too much of an ask for for either of them to come back. Wesley would be the only one that has a chance, you know, out the two of them. Let's just uh, have a final prediction from you then. Those those final t- ten games, how many points are going to be picked up? How comfortable do you think they will stay up by? And uh, do you think they've genuinely got enough? I think on their day, they're a good enough side. I think they can get wins. I think it all depends on how it starts for them. The, the key for them is to find a settled team. They've tried just too many different variations. I think 12 different goalkeeper and defence variations over the course of the season. You know, no wonder they're conceding so many goals. Um, they just haven't... They just haven't found a settled team. So if they can do that early on, get a couple of points, you know, three or four points in the first two or three games, I think they'll have enough to survive. I think they're probably going to need, they're probably going to need four wins, maybe four wins out of ten or or five. Um, it's, a, it's a tough ask, isn't it? But I think they'll do it. I, I want to stay positive because you know I've covered this club for a long time, um, and and I want this club to remain in the Premier League. So I'm going to throw my support behind it, and hopefully that tiny little bit of positive energy will seep through into the players. Greg, brilliant! Thank you very much for coming on. You're welcome, Adam. No problem. Enjoyed it. Now, if you're not already subscribing to The Athletic, make sure that you go to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein and Chapman to enjoy all of Greg's writing on Aston Villa plus much, much more. Uh, You can currently take advantage of that 30-day free trial if you want to try it out before you uh, commit to a full subscription. Uh, And with that, you'll enjoy all the best football writing as the Premier League returns. And make sure that you listen to The Athletic's dedicated Aston Villa podcast, as we mentioned, 1860. 
uh, they release a new podcast every single week. Uh, those recent episodes featuring interviews with a host of former players, including uh, Gabby Agbonlahor, uh, Tommy Elphick, Mila Yedinak, Mark Bosnich, uh, Martin Larson, uh, as well. Uh, so you can listen back to those right now to get you into the mood for the return of the Premier League. Keep an eye out on this podcast feed and the Athletic app to hear all 20 of our Premier League countdown podcasts, each one dedicated to a different team. Thanks very much for listening.